Would you pray with me? Everlasting God, in your endless love for the human race, you sent out our Lord Jesus Christ to take on our nature and to suffer death on the cross. In your mercy, enable us to share in his obedience to your will and in the glorious victory of his resurrection, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. A reading from Luke, the 19th chapter. Jesus went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he had come near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just say, The Lord needs it. So those who were sent departed and found it as Jesus had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. As he rode along, people kept spreading their cloaks on the road. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began praising God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, order your disciples to stop. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the stones would shout out. When kings or conquering rulers would enter a city in ancient times, they'd do so by making a spectacle of an entrance. Trumpets would blow, soldiers would brandish their weapons, and battle cries would echo through the streets. The king, of course, would be sitting atop a mighty warhorse or riding on a great chariot, looking as much the part of a hero as possible. You may have seen something like this in the movies. The point was to make an entrance. Recently in the United States, we've had award season, specifically with the Oscars and the Grammys. A familiar part of this event is the entrance, when the stars arrive and walk the red carpet. They wear clothes they hope will make a statement with accessories, hair, and makeup to accent just how glamorous they are. All this while the bright lights of photographers' cameras flash and reporters shout out questions like, who are you wearing and what sort of statement do you want to make? This all may seem distant to us, but in our own way, we too make our own entrance. Put your best foot forward, our parents would tell us. You only have one chance to make a first impression, they'd say. So we too do what we can to put forward the best version of ourselves out into the world. Jesus, likewise, is choosing to make an entrance in today's triumphal entry text. Only his entrance is an upside-down, unexpected one. When last he was in Bethany, he was dining with his closest friends, 
Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, along with his disciples. There Mary anointed him for his death. Now he's back again and sending those same disciples out to get what he needs for his grand entrance. Perhaps while they run those errands, he's waiting at the house of his friends. Perhaps the earthy, spicy smell of nard that Mary used to anoint his feet still lingers in the air, reminding him of that night. His entrance is a spectacle in its own right. It makes a mockery of the entrances of kings and mighty conquering rulers. In place of the war horse is a small cult. The soldiers have given way to women, children, the poor, and forgotten. Swords and weapons of war have been replaced with cloaks and palm branches. Battle cries and trumpets have given way to the songs of Hosanna. This is not what we would expect from one who is a king. This is not what we would expect from one who is coming to save people. This is not what we would expect from one who is to transform the world. Yet this is at the heart of what Jesus does. He changes the perspective, changes the way we see, think about and do things. He literally turns the world upside down. He's been doing that throughout the Gospel of Luke. You're blessed when you're at your lowest. You're welcomed when you're forgotten. And on and on the theme goes. Might doesn't make right. Riches do not equate to worth. Privilege doesn't denote status. Jesus turns the world upside down and inside out. The way I find most helpful to think about sin is with the Latin phrase incurvatus in se. Literally it means curved in on yourself. In our sin, and this goes for mighty kings, glamorous celebrities, and yes you guessed it, even you and I, we are curved in on ourselves. All we see is ourselves, our needs, our desires, what works best for us and our perspective. Jesus comes to turn that on its head, to stand us up straight so that the mighty me, myself, and I no longer is the center of attention, but rather God, our neighbor, and the world in need are. He does this today by making a spectacle of our us-focused entrances with his own that challenges how the world works. So today, may you see Jesus coming to you in love. May you feel Jesus inviting you into his parade. Today, may you have your own navel-gazing challenged and may you look with fresh eyes out on a world, out on your neighbor, and up to God, who wants to invite you into more than you can imagine.